Good afternoon and welcome to Believe in Chelsea Football Club Women. I am Rob Prattley, I am your host and today we're going to be discussing the episode that should have come out last week. Ideally we should have been discussing Chelsea's season, their goals, their squad and also looking ahead to the opening game against West Ham United which is due to be held at Stamford Bridge. Unfortunately, due to the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, all of those best laid plans were put to kibosh, and so everything had to be pushed back, and that game has now been rearranged, disappointingly, for back to King's Meadow for a midweek in September away from Stamford Bridge, which is a bit of a shame. But looking on the bright side, I have a fantastic guest today here with me to discuss Chelsea FC women. Uh, although she herself isn't a Chelsea fan, we won't hold that against her. I know her for being an absolutely wonderful football personality, uh, being the owner and the founder of On Her Side, another great uh, women's football platform promoting great written content and also fantastic visual content for the game and most importantly bipartisan across all sides. Uh, and also being an excellent freelance journalist, uh, my, friend, my good friend Charlotte. Charlotte, how are you today? I'm very well, Rob. Thank you for having me on. That's all right. Absolute pleasure. So, as I've uh, you know, as I've obviously, as I've already admitted, uh, Charlotte, you are not a Chelsea fan. You are obviously an Arsenal fan, which means that last <laughs> season must have stung a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was I was at the Arsenal game on the last day, uh, on the last day of the the season, and you could just once the news came through that Chelsea had um, taken the lead. It, there was definitely a kind of a dip in the atmosphere, a bit of a lull. So, yeah, it was disappointing. Um, but it, at least we know now that it's definitely within reach. So that is a positive. Yeah, and I think I think it was good for from a competition point of view for the WSL to go to the final day, particularly as that, you know, other competitions maybe in previous years have been sewn up before the final day. I mean, the year before that, Chelsea did take it to the final day, but they had the game against Reading and comparatively everyone sort of knew that as long as they won and Chelsea scored within about two minutes um, yeah. on the day and so suddenly that game sort of went dead whereas obviously in that previous game with United taking the lead I think and also with Arsenal taking the lead there sort of was that added element of jeopardy that I think was really required but obviously now again we're past that we've seen both of us have now seen the Lionesses bring it home which I'm sure you know we will both agree is a memory that will live long in our heads and now we come forward and suddenly the new WSL season has rolled around. So, from your opinion, do you think this year, if Chelsea do anything other than win the title and win at least one domestic cup, then it's probably a failure? I think, yeah, in, I think, yeah obviously for Chelsea fans, it would be. Um, they are, at the moment, they are kind of the powerhouses of, of English football in the women's game and yeah, I think that they definitely would be disappointed if they didn't bring at least one trophy home this season, uh, whether that be the FA Cup, league, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I, as an Arsenal fan, I obviously would love Arsenal to win the league, but I do think that Chelsea are going to, again, the same as last year, they're going to take some stopping. Mm. And I think it's the big thing this year from a sort of Chelsea point of view is the big improvements that people want to see is in the Champions League. Obviously, last year, due to various mitigating circumstances, Chelsea did underperform. They did go out in the group stage, um, obviously, having had a tough group of sides that did include both Juventus and also Wolfsburg, who also did 
uh, progressed and did do well in the competition. Indeed, Juventus uh, themselves did take at one point, nearly take the scalp of Leon, um, which would have been a sort of significant scalp. But from a outside point of view, you've got to say that's probably the big final hurdle, isn't it, for this Chelsea side? And the big final hurdle, I think, for Emma Hayes, again, if she was able to win that, then she would rightly, and I think already she is considered one of the top coaches in England, but she'd be rightly considered one of the wider sort of top coaches. Absolutely. I think um, when I've looked at sort of the signings as well of the summer, I think I'm thinking that the European football really is the goal this year. I think that that is something that Emma Hayes, you know, that's the one thing she hasn't got her hands on. Um, and it's the one thing that would, like you say, would really sort of cement her as one of the top managers across across the world in the women's game. Um, so, yeah, I think I think uh, the Champions League is, is going to be there. That's where their sights are going to be set. Um, and I hope they do perform well in it. I think it will be good for the whole league if any English team performs well in the Champions League. It reflects well on everyone. So I am hoping that, that they can at least progress slightly further. Um, I know, obviously, last year it didn't pan out the way they would have hoped and the year before they did reach the final and obviously things didn't quite go to plan. Mm. Um, but yeah, looking at the the signings that Hayes has brought in um, and also the depth of the squad now, it really is looking like European football is, is where they want to be. Mm. And uh, again, obviously we have to sort of discuss the incomings and also the departures. So I think, you know, the most notable departures from a Chelsea point of view were that Jiso Young, Drew Spence and Jan Anderson um, all left the club. In the summer, obviously, all of them uh, have been parts of integral parts of title wins and integral parts of success in the past. Drew Spence has gone across London and actually joined Tottenham Hotspur, one of the few players I think that can get away with it. Uh, yeah. Jan Anderson has gone back to Bromby um, and gone back home to Sweden, and again, I think you know is again doing very well in Sweden. By no, sorry, Hammerby in Sweden, and again is doing very very well in in Sweden as they look to break Bromby's dominance on the division. And Jiso Yun has gone back to Korea. Uh, and I, off my head, I can't remember which. I don't want to say the Suwon Blue Wings, but I'm not 100% sure it's the Blue Wings. But obviously three really big players and three pretty big personalities, I think, for Chelsea to lose. Players they really could rely on and people that they knew were dependable. So I think that itself creates its own challenge, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think especially if you look at someone like G, um, she is such a big personality. And she's sort of long been one of the most sort of creative and and uh, skillful midfielders in not just as in Chelsea but within the league. So I was I was quite sad to see G go just because she is just such a personality on and off the pitch. Um, and with Drew Spence as well, like you say, she's been with Chelsea for about ten years. Is it ten years? Something yeah, like over that. Over a decade, yeah. Yeah, so she, you know, she's been part of, like, she's like part of the furniture. So, again, yeah, a, a, a sort of a sad departure, but at least she's still within the league. We can still see Drew Spence. Um, but yeah, it's a little sort of like an end of an era in that kind of respect. But obviously, things move on, and and for for the next goal for Chelsea, obviously, things have to change slightly. Mm. No, I agree, and it's uh, I think also at the same time, you then when you do lose players, you want to see the recruitment match it. And obviously Chelsea have had quite a busy um, summer. They firstly brought in Yves Perez from Bordeaux on a free transfer. And they also signed, I think the big name this summer who came in was obviously Kadisha Buchanan, um, the Canadian international who came in from Lyon. 
talk about Perisay, obviously we got a chance to have a look at her during the Euros and she looks like someone who adds a real asset and a real extra dimension, I think, to the Chelsea squad. Definitely. I think we we saw, well, from what I saw, I was very impressed with what I saw at the at the Euros, um, not just for the penalty that she took. Um, but yeah, I think, like you say, Buchanan was probably the biggest name to come in. Um, just an really exceptional defender um and that is obviously going to help Chelsea um but Perisse as well yeah it just it, it it just adds to the depth and I think what Chelsea are going for here is sort of really sort of almost being able to fill two starting 11s I think that is the, the goal for Emma Hayes here is because the amount of football that they're going to be playing um you need that quality across the the whole squad the whole depth of the squad and I think that's kind of the idea that's why she's managed to catch these big names that's why she's bringing in so many reinforcements so yeah I mean some some really really good signings for Chelsea over the summer mm, precisely that and again adding to those previous signings that we have we've also saw them bring in Katarina Svitkova who I think is a really interesting acquisition from West Ham obviously West Ham have lost quite a few players this summer um, with Yui Hasegawa uh, moving on on deadline day to Manchester City uh, losing Leon to Manchester United um, and losing uh, and losing other players as well. Do you think Svitkova has the ability to make that step up to Chelsea and to you know move on? Obviously, she was a big star at West Ham and sort of one of the key players, but maybe the numbers didn't quite match it. Do you think now the challenge is to ensure the numbers match the ability? Yeah, I think Svitkova. I think that was quite a smart signing, really. I mean, she, yeah, she might not be sort of the biggest, I guess, star at, at Chelsea. She might not be the biggest name, but I think you still need these players that that lay the groundwork. Mm. Um, and I think that that's kind of where she'll fit in. There's, she's definitely got the quality there. So yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's still a good signing. It's a very, it's a smart signing, um, in my eyes. You know, it's, it's not one that's probably going to set the world on fire, but it's definitely going to be an important one, and it's going to keep the cogs turning. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the two later signings that came in, besides Lucy Watson, who again, we should also, while we're here, say unfortunately suffered an anterior cruciate ligament injury in training with Charlton. And now obviously her loan spell has been curtailed. She's back at Chelsea for treatment, but the entire leaving CSCW team do wish her the absolute you know, best and want to see one of England's brightest talents back playing football and doing what she loves as soon as possible. But the two later signings that came in, again, we'll be discussing these in depth in future um, episodes, were Jelena Kankovic from SC Rosenborg and then also Joe Ritten-Canarid, um, who, again, was another player that impressed during the Euros and is someone I think added real pace and dimension, which is maybe the one thing you would say the Chelsea squad did lack last year, was that really, really direct, pacey winger, and they've now sort of added that to the side. Do you think that's going to be helpful when they're playing games where they maybe need something a bit different to break down a defence or they're looking at, you know, tiring opponents and they're looking for someone whose raw pace can sort of just run through them? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's always it's always useful to have sort of a different uh, option available. Um, so definitely, and especially with, with, with teams, like you say, that are sort of tiring, maybe they've sort of parked the bus for the majority of the game and the tired legs, you bring on someone like that and it gives you a whole other dimension. It brings a new dynamic. So, yeah, definitely. It's definitely a good option to have, for sure. Mm. And again, with Sushankovic, I think it's worth saying with Yelena Kankovic, she is another player that is very highly regarded 
um, in the world game and is very sort of is seen as someone who can really make the step up. And now maybe with obviously with G leaving, there's that opportunity for someone to step into that gap and be that sort of creative force and that creative player. And I think you've got herself, you've got Jesse Fleming, maybe even to an extent Aaron Cuthbert and Lauren James, who all of them are potentially being looked at now to step into that central midfield void. Yeah, for sure. I can. I for me, I, I like Fleming there. Mm. Um, but obviously, we'll have to see. I would say, with the with the sort of the outgoings, it's just kind of rejigging it and finding the player that suits that suits the way the game is being played now. So, yeah, it's it's good to have all these options. And I think, especially, I did look at Chelsea's midfield, and for the last couple of seasons, you you could argue that it's been quite sparse in a way. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden. It's not. Um, so it is quite nice to have these options. And I think it is going to be um, it's going to be good for Chelsea because I think sometimes their midfield is, is where things can lack. Um, so to have all these different types of players um, will be beneficial for them, definitely in, in sort of in all the competitions that they're in. Um, obviously, with different teams play with different styles. The WSL, you might play, be playing teams that are slightly more defensive especially lower down the down the table. But obviously in the Champions League, you're not going to have that so much. So you need to have these different options. And the midfield, I think, is is a really important area. It's where games can be won and lost. So I think for Chelsea, it's it's been a really good window in that respect that they've managed to really bulk out the midfield with lots of different types of players. Mm. Obviously, I think we also have to mention that the one I think for many Chelsea fans will hope that they go back for again in January and almost, I think at the moment, the one you would say I was the one that got away was obviously Grace Gioro um, from Paris Saint-Germain. There was a sort of contracted tra- a protracted transfer saga that involved potentially Jackie Gronan moving, which would have allowed uh, and freed up Grace Gioro to go. Gronan has in fact now moved to Paris Saint-Germain, but obviously uh, Gioro has remained at PSG. Do you think Chelsea, if they'd have got Gioro, they'd have had that little extra you know, real X factor that means people would have set up and say, wow, that's, you know, that's a midfield to rival anyone in the world. Possibly. I mean, yeah, possibly. And as you say, it may come through later on in the year, maybe looking at January. But I do think Chelsea have got this stacked squad as it is. Um, So there are plenty of kind of star midfielders. There are plenty of star forwards in there already. Um, So, yeah, I'm not sure whether it would have been the, the, the kind of the, I mean, that's the kind of like the, the icing on the cake, but yeah, we'll just have to see. There's there's already plenty of talent in there um, to get them to where they need to go. Mm. Yeah, no, of course. I think that's fair to say. Uh, it was always nice, I think, and I said this for a lot of people. It's always good when a club is looking at a transfer and is saying, it'd be great to bring that player in, but if we don't bring them in, it's not the absolute end of the world. I think that's the ideal position you're always in as a club when you're talking in those sort of terms rather than saying, oh, we need to get someone in, especially when it's ticking down sort of towards the deadline. And I think the fact that Chelsea have been one of the most active sides in the window in terms of bringing in five players for the first team, it it sends a message as well because obviously the new owners took over um, with the Bowley Clear Lake group and there were concerns that maybe some of the funding that previously was available for the women's side wouldn't be quite so readily available, but it now seems to be the exact opposite. Where again, obviously, they finance Buchanan and Perry say and sit over on free transfers, but also they've paid fees already to bring in JRK and bring in Shankovic. So, do, do you think that can only bode well for Chelsea in the sort of 
short, medium and longer term, that they've got owners that seem to be really in tune with what is going on in the women's game and seem really keen to support it. Of course, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's what you want, isn't it? You want owners that are are willing to invest. You want owners that are interested. Um, and as you say, it, it seems that that is what's happening now. And um, yeah, I think that Chelsea, for me, have had an exceptionally busy transfer window, really. When I look at the the size of the squad before these uh, these signings came in, it wasn't it wasn't um, exactly sparse then. Mm-hmm. So for them to have brought in this many signings as well, it, it it definitely shows that there's interest. It shows that they're serious about it. And of course, that is that is absolutely what you want. Mm. And to an element, I think it's also maybe a little bit of f- future proofing and protection because there's a lot of players still out of contract for yeah. summer. Obviously, there are negotiations ongoing, and I'm sure some of them will sort of resign. I think we've already seen some of them, like Millie Brighton and Charles, uh, some of the youngsters resign deals. But it also future proofs them in case players do decide they want to go elsewhere and try something different, that they've already got players in that know what they're doing and are ready to step up as the replacement. Exactly. It's it's good long-term planning in that respect, definitely. It's, it's good to have that already in place so that you're not bringing in, I don't know, 10, 12 new players all together at once um, and things can get a little bit messy. So I think, yeah, in that respect, it's definitely good planning um, on, on Emma Hayes' part. Yeah. And uh, I think, obviously, from an outside point of view, I have a feeling I know who you're going to say, but who would you say, from an outside point of view, is the player you look at in the Chelsea squad and you view them as the key player? I mean, I think most people would probably say Sam Kerr, um, just because she's Sam Kerr. <laughs> um, uh, and obviously she's pretty formidable in front of goal. I really like Erin Cuthbert. I think she's really important to the team. And I, what I like about her is that she is adapting each season to be able to play all of these different roles. Mm-hmm. And the quality doesn't seem to dip. Um, and she's a real workhorse. She's a real grafter. And I've got a lot of respect for Erin Cuthbert. I think she's a real integral player just for the whole squad. Um, As well, I'm a a big fan of the Millie Bright, uh, Magda Eriksson partnership. Mm. I think that works really well. So, yeah, there's a few players in there. But I think, yeah, I think Sam Kerr is definitely kind of like the star. She's sort of the star of Chelsea. But I also think Fran Kirby's got to be up there as well. Mm. Um, I don't think you can sort of not talk about Chelsea without mentioning sort of Frank Kirby and and everything that she's she's done. You know, she's so resilient. Um, and to be able to sort of keep that level of football that she, she plays um, with all of these kind of outside obstacles as well. Um, yeah, I think Frank Kirby's got to be up there with, with one of the ones to watch. Sorry, at the beginning of all of that, I just, just a silent punch of delight because I had the two names I had written down were Aaron Cuthbert and Millie Bright. And I'm incredibly pleased to know. Yeah, Erin Cuthbert for me is the one I I do always look to Erin Cuthbert for. uh, I just think she's a wonderful player. Like I just don't. I just think that she encompasses everything that you need on a football field. Um, She's gritty. You know, she's she's got that work ethic, but she's also she's able. She's got a finish. You know, she can do the defensive work. I I just think yeah. I just think she's one of the best players in the league Mm. for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, and I think increasingly. Emma sort of challenged her last year to be more productive from a goal point of view and from a yeah. decisive point of view. And obviously she scored the goal on the final day that brought Chelsea back to parity. Initially, she scored that wonderful goal at Wembley in the FA Cup final. 
she scored other times across the season. She got other key assists, uh, scored the goal against Juventus away from home in the Champions League. And I think that's what you know people want to really see out of her. I, I, I do agree. I think Cuthbert is one of those players that with the right time, and I'm 100% she has the right application, but with the right time on the pitch and in the right circumstances, I think she can just be all sort of dominating in the in yeah. a similar mould. I'm not saying she's on the same level because I don't think she is, but in a similar mould to how Alexia is at sort of uh, uh, Barcelona or how Almudine Henry is for Lyon, just in such a dominating presence in the midfield um, and just such an imposing player. And I get the feeling with Cuthbert, she's the sort of player if you were in opposition and you see her in the midfield, you just silently think, oh no, because yeah, you know you're definitely. not in a moment's peace at any point during the game. Absolutely. She will hound you. She has no problem hounding you for the full 90 minutes. <laughs> make make no mistake. She will she will be there right breathing down your neck. She's not going to give you an inch. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree. I just I think she's one of those players that you she's quite reliable, especially in kind of the big games. Um, she doesn't seem to let the pressure get to her either. And I just think that every quality that she has is is so important and she executes it so well. Um, mm. and, and and the fact that she is still young as well, it, to me, is 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 a really good thing because she's got sort of years of development ahead of her as well. So she can be a really, really top player. Um, so, yeah, I'm always excited to watch Erin Cuthbert. Mm. I think the, the point of the young, the, the point about how young she is, is really interesting because, again, she seems to have been around for a long time. And I think this is now her eighth season at Chelsea. But she is somehow still only a year older than Jessie Fleming who, yeah. again, still feels like she's, you know, that baby face player that everyone looks at and thinks, oh, God, you know, she still must look, be like 12. Um, in reality, <laughs> neither of them are now like 12. Um, but I think the other sort of question I really wanted to discuss is in terms of Emma Hayes and how you think Chelsea are going to tactically go forward, go forward this season. Last year, obviously, we saw a lot more of the 3-4-3 three, three, and at times going back to a more traditional 4-3-3 three, three structure. With the signing of Buchanan and the fact they have Ericsson and Bright, that suggests that if you wanted to go for three at the back, you've got quite a you know, set first choice three at the back. But do you think that that formation benefits the whole of Chelsea's squad or do you just think it benefits certain players? It's a difficult one. I think you've got a little... I think... I think what Hayes will do is she will switch between the two mm-hmm. um, depending on the opponent. I think that that's probably what it's going to be. I think you're going to see a bit of both. Um, because like you say, I mean, it's it's probably more suited to the the, the player rather than the squad. Um, with the, with the, the three at the back, yeah, that is going to be your, your starting back three. But then, of course, you've got so many other defenders that you you need to be able to rotate them. And a, and a four, sort of a four, three, three would suit those players. Uh, better so yeah I, I think it's going to be based more on the opponent more on what they're coming up against rather than sort of Chelsea itself um, but I th- it, it's good that you've got I think it's a good thing that she has got the option to do both I think you've got to have a plan b and if something's not working she has now the means to change things and change them pretty quickly and to be able to change them well um, rather than just trying to fit people in to where you think they might be able to might be out of work and and it ends up being a bit of a mess where people are out of position and then it all goes wrong. So I think it'll be a mixture between the two. Um, I think in the WSL, you'll probably see more of the the 3-4-3 where Chelsea can be a little bit more 
attacking uh, sort of based um, and getting more players forward. And then even with the defenders, I mean, we know Millie Bright likes to step forward a little bit and, and shoot those diagonal balls. Um, but perhaps in, in the Champions League, you might see more of a 4-4-3 four, four, um, just to give them that kind of defensive foundation. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it'd be a mixture of the two. And I'm sure Hayes will will have a plan with with when she's going to use one and when she's going to use the other. But it's definitely ideal that she's got the option and she's got the capacity to do both. Um, like I say, there's going to be a lot of football played. Chelsea are going to be playing a hell of a lot of football in quite a short amount of time. So I think I think this is all part of the plan. This is part of the Chelsea plan this year to have as many options available as possible. Mm. And I think it's also interesting that you sort of say the 4 through 3 You can almost look at that in terms of 4 2 3 one in that Chelsea could line up with, say, maybe Magda Eriksson in at left-back, Buchanan and Bright, yeah. and then Carter maybe in at right-back for the defensive solidity. You put Fleming and Cuthbert in that sort of sitting midfield role, and then you could potentially field the front four of Wrighton, Harder, Kirby and Kerr, which is going to strike fear into any defence in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, it would. Um, yeah, and as well, you've got players like uh, Mielder as well, who's who's back again now. So you've got, there's plenty of options as the fullbacks um, or wingbacks, you know, because they can, you know, they're quite capable of, of playing higher up the pitch as well. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of options there, definitely. I can, I can hear the, I can hear the slight jealousy in your voice. And you hear my voice shaking slightly. Yeah. I'm quaking, quaking in my boots here. <laughs> No, I think I think it's interesting. I think it'd be really interesting actually to see how Chelsea do because their opening game is obviously against Liverpool. Who obviously, are a little bit of an unknown quantity in the WSL. Obviously, having just been promoted again, um, I don't know if you watched a lot of Liverpool last season. I will confess the only game I saw of them was right at the end of the season when they got promoted, and that wasn't much of a sort of barometer because I have a feeling one or two of the players may have been out indulging um, a little <laughs> yeah. bit, shall we say? Yeah. Um, I did see them. I saw them live, actually. I, I saw them um, when they played Crystal Palace. Um, and yet they were all over them, <laughs> to say. Uh, there wasn't much of a contest that day. But, um, yeah, I think I think because this is going to be Liverpool's face, it's going to be a tough ask for Liverpool. It really is. It's not the easiest game to be uh, kind of re-entering the WSL, but playing the champions. Mm. Um, which makes me think that Liverpool are kind of going to go all out and, and they're going to want to, showcase their very best side um I don't I, I can't see them winning you know I, I think it's going to be a pretty routine game for Chelsea um but again it, it will it will it will give us an idea of exactly kind of what Emma Hayes is kind of thinking as when she when they're playing these I guess lower ranked sides um as to act exactly how much kind of firepower she's putting on the pitch at that point yeah um yeah, I, I do feel a little bit for Liverpool. That is a tough ask for your for your first game in the WSL after being promoted. That's <laughs> quite it's a pretty hefty challenge. But I suppose on the other side of it, they'll be looking at it and thinking this is the chance to, you know, make a real statement and make a real mark. And Chelsea yeah, have to be aware of that as well. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and you know, I did watch them last year and they do have they have the means to to be scoring goals. They have the means to be stopping teams. So, you know, they won the championship before, way before the season had finished. Yeah. So they yeah. have that quality. So yeah, Chelsea can't switch off. Definitely not. And again, players like Bo Kearns, who are such good young players, and Van der Sanden, obviously, who has Champions League yeah. pedigree and has, you know, been problematic for Chelsea before in the past. They've got players that can really cause damage, I think, to sides. 
yeah, definitely. And they have quite a lot of WSL experience in there as well. Um, I think Jilly Flarty's just joined. So, yeah, there, there's enough there's enough in there to cause some problems. So uh, Chelsea will have to, you know, they're not going to be able to switch off at any point. But I think when you're looking at Kerr and, and Kirby, Wrighton, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm guessing here, I'm predicting that Chelsea will win this one. Yeah, OK. Uh, score prediction? Uh, three 0 I'll say three 0 Yeah, I could see. I could see a three 0 I think that's fair. Yeah. It's one of those where, again, in the WSL, and this is one of the things I think that teams are still getting used to is that when they do concede early, sometimes you have situations where teams do run away with games. Um, yeah, and it is becoming less common, but it does still, you know, happen as a thing. And that that's my only concern. I think from if I was a Liverpool fan, is if Chelsea did get an early goal, they do tend to go for the throat, and you know. Do exactly mm-hmm. what Chelsea men don't do, which is go for the throat, get the second goal, and kill off games. Um, and I think that's you know the one thing they could be scared of. But from a sort of wider Chelsea point of view, obviously the game after that is City, and that will be another interesting barometer to see exactly where they are. Because I think a lot of people's consensus is that now City, after the transfer window, are quite a long way behind Chelsea, and traditionally they've always caused Chelsea a lot of problems. I think with City. I, I would never write them off ever. Like even last year when they had the the rough start to the season, they still ended up placing third. I don't think you can ever write them off. I am interested with City to see exactly how this kind of pans out immediately in the short term because they've had so many key uh, departures. You know, the whole midfield almost the whole, the starting midfield is gone. Um, so this is gonna be where it. This is going to be where it's going to be interesting to see exactly how City fare um, with all these new signings trying to find their feet against a team like Chelsea, who are, you know, a formidable side. You know, they don't let up. They're relentless um, in that respect. Um, so I think this will be more of a ballpark to, to see exactly where City are. Um, like you say, whether they are quite far behind Chelsea or whether they're able to keep up with them, whether they're able to keep them out um, and keep a clean sheet. Um, it, that will be an interesting one. That's definitely going to be one to watch. Um, more so from from a city perspective, I think. Um, I think city fans will definitely be uh, interested to see how these signings fare against the kind of the powerhouse that is Chelsea. Mm. And uh, finally, just to sort of have to ask, where are Chelsea? How, where are Chelsea ending up this season in the WSL and in the Champions League and with the domestic cups? How what are they ending the season with, in your opinion? Um, well, it's going to pay me to say it, but um, realistically, I think Chelsea will win the league. Um, I hope it's as close as last year. Obviously, I would love Arsenal to win the league. I think with Arsenal, they've got a much smaller squad. Um, I think having a big squad can has its pros and cons. I think having a small squad has its pros and cons. I think it's going to come down to which which side can uh, sort of keep it together the, the best in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'd be quite tight between Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, but as I say, Chelsea are just, they are relentless. And I think that that kind of mentality, that winning mentality is, is what sees them through in the end. Um, so I can see them winning the league. I can see them getting to the finals of, of the, you know, the Conti Cup, the FA Cup. I don't think there's going to be any surprises there. Um, in the Champions League, I'm not so sure. Um, kind of historically, we're, we're, we've been slightly behind other European teams. Mm. Um so this this season will be interesting with that, as I say, with with the new signings and the depth of the squad now with Chelsea, whether we can keep up 
Um, so I'm hoping that they get a fair way at least. I'm not sure whether they make the final, but I'm I'm looking at kind of quarterfinals at least for Chelsea. Mm, I think that's fair. And to be honest, I yeah. think yeah, that, that's I think the minimum expectations from a lot of fans is the quarterfinal. I think. Yeah, is. definitely. But marvelous. Well, it's been fantastic to talk to you, Charlotte. Do you want to let everyone know where they can find all of your content? Because I know a there's a lot of it, and b it's really good content. So. <laughs> there is a lot of it. Yeah, there is a lot of it. Um, so um, you can find it on my website, which is on herside.co.uk, or if you have social media, uh, we are at on her side one or my personal account is, uh, oh, it's changed, doesn't it? I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed. I was just going to say the wrong one. <laughs> hang on. I'll have to look it up now. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Right, it's at Shah underscore space. There you go. That's the new one. There you go. That's, I'm glad you've, I'm glad you're not the only one that consistently, because I keep, whenever I try and tag you and stuff, I type the old one. And then I'm like, the account doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, what? It's, it's gone. But, it doesn't It doesn't exist. <laughs> but thank you very much for your time. And again, we'll be back again next week with another guest reviewing that Chelsea-Liverpool match and looking ahead to the Manchester City match. I'm hoping to drag one of my Manchester City friends on, despite the fact they're con- currently in mourning still over the loss of Kira Walsh. Um, oh, my. The, re- the real loss <laughs> of the Queen of England this week. Um, exactly. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they cope and how they do with their first game back, obviously, uh, they missed the game against Arsenal, which I'm sure you're very devastated about, because I'm sure you wanted to see Arsenal get off to a good win. But, yeah. But anyway, this has been Believe in CSCW. I've been your host, Rob Prattley. Thank you very much for listening, and have a fantastic week.